0: Welcome to Energy Matters, exploring awakening to your authentic self and finding purpose through mind, body, and soul with your hosts, Cody Edner and David Gandelman, brought to you by intuitivevision.net and groundedmind.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Energy Matters. Great to have you here today and we have a great show for you. But before we get to that, David and I wanted to let you know that if you come to our website, which is energymatterspodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter, we are going to send you a link for a meditation. You can start to move into a place of Energy awareness, because energy matters, right? (laughs) And the other thing I wanted to bring up today is, as always, the big question is, where in the world is David Gandelman? And David is always moving around and busy, and he has a lot of fun stuff coming up lately, and I'm going to let him share with you what he's up to. I'm in my
1: mom's basement. (laughs) I think she's coming. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually uh, in San Diego, California. It's beautiful here. And uh, yeah, I do. I have uh, a whole bunch of workshops. I've already taught half a dozen of them in the last month or so, but I've got one. Depends when you listen to this. But uh, July 14th at uh, Little Yoga Studio, downtown San Diego, July 14th at 8 o'clock. Creativity and intuition. Next week, July 23rd. This one's a doozy. Intuitive relationships and that's at Apotheke Lifestyle Spa in Oceanside, California. And then the 28th, Mastering Intuitive Vision, stole that from Cody, uh, at Yogala Studios in Los Angeles, California. And then August 4th, uh, I'm doing another intuitive relationships workshop at Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, which is right near my house in San Diego. They actually have two studios and uh, I'm very lucky enough to have a membership there, so I just jump on my bike. It's a few blocks away, both of them, in different directions, and I go do yoga. It's awesome. So, uh, And we've actually had the owner of those studios on our show, Shujantra. He was one of our first guests. So if you've never heard that episode, check it out. So that's what's ca- going on for me. What's happening for you, Cody? <laughs> hey, you
0: do know that intuitive vision is trademarked, so you may owe me back some you know, kickback from those <laughs> oh, workshops. Oh,
1: <laughs> shoot. Well, i I only charge like 15 bucks, so you're not going to get much.
0: (laughs) Well, as always, I'm busy teaching um, meditation and intuitive awareness, and uh, it is keeping me (laughs) (laughs) busy. Yeah. So we do have a great episode for you today. If we were to look up the word uh, eclectic, this might... (laughs) might see this episode under that. We cover a lot of topics. Um, we go from, you know, basic uh energy awareness ideas into quantum ideas and AI. And it, we really kinda go across the spectrum. So uh it kind of gets interesting towards the end as we start to talk about uh the future and our different ideas about what we see happening in the future with uh the awakening consciousness that we see happening around us in the planet and we all actually very interestingly have very different opinions, I thought, when I um, mm. listened to it again, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So you get to hear a little bit of each of our our vision for what we see happening, and, and uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, so our guest today is uh, Laura Hansen, and she is an author, a spiritual teacher, uh, a longtime uh, spiritual activist. Uh, She's been a longtime friend of mine for well over 30 years. And Laura is the author of two books. Her first book is Hand Me a Wrench My Life is Out of Whack Understanding the Decisions We Make and Discovering the Power to Change. And her other book is Note to Self Insights and Affirmations for Living Life Your Way. And we had a great time getting to know Laura on the podcast, on the show here. She shared a lot of information about what she's been up to and what she's been creating over the years. And uh, she's pretty busy.
1: Yeah, Laura is a fascinating person. She's involved in so many organizations, I couldn't even keep them right in my head, trying to, trying to dis- go through them with her. Uh, she works with quantum healing, with medicine, with activism, with spirituality, with energy work, you name it. She's very much in the forefront of kind of a, a new way of looking at the world and it's fascinating she's obviously very intelligent she even understands artificial intelligence which we get into she's working on some app called uh Sophia that she tells us a bit about but it's still a little top secret and uh it's quite the episode it's a it's it's out there and enjoyable and, and enjoyable kind of out there so uh yeah let's do it
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Energy Matters. I'm here with my co host, David Gandelman, as always. Hi, David. Hello, hello. Hello. And today I get to bring to you a special guest and a longtime friend of mine and an author of a best selling book on Amazon, Hand Me a Wrench My Life is Out of Wax. And Laura Hansen, welcome.
2: Hi. Hi, Cody.
0: <laughs> hi. It's great
2: to be here. And hi, David. It's so fun to, to be with you guys today.
0: So long-time friend, we go back, how many years now has it been?
2: I think 30.
0: At least, yeah, to, I think 30. Yeah, about that. which
2: are, there are a lot of people that are actually 30 years old.
0: There are a lot of people that, yes, we're, we're not born.
2: And they were born when we met.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, we made that, I think you guys, I
3: got made fun of for that in the last episode of podcast. I know, I know podcast. you did. <laughs>
2: And, you know, it's strange in, you know, the work I do and the, community and just kind of being around. There are women that are 22, 25, 30. After a meeting, one of them will come up to me and say, you know, I'm so glad to know you. I'm hoping I can learn from you and your experience and and mentor me. And I have to remember that I'm (laughs) not their age anymore.
0: Uh, i know it's it's a
3: scary thing uh, what was the 20th century like laura yeah
2: what was it like before cell phones what was it like before
0: the internet
2: yeah which i could comment on we could comment on that
0: how did you know anything before then yeah we
2: could comment on what it was like before fax machines right We could call it for colored television.
0: Well,
3: what, I want to start Possibly. with what's a wrench, and <laughs> <laughs> in terms of your book, Laura, my li- <laughs> so it's called it's called "Hand Me a Wrench, My Life Is Out of Whack." Yeah. Can you elaborate on that title a little bit and what the book is about?
2: Sure, the wrench is a tool you can use to get your life back on track in alignment, and I developed that title with a friend of mine. I was writing the book and I didn't have a title and she said, okay, just start talking and I'll pull out the title as you're talking. And I said that like your life doesn't have to be a mystery. You can just pop the hood like you would your car. You figure out what's wrong. You grab your tool, your toolbox, you pull out the wrench and you fix it. And whenever it's out of whack, you know what to do. And she said, there it is. How many wrench my life is out of whack? So it's an empowering statement that your life is a structure with thought and emotion that you can explore, understand, and then shape to your vision.
0: So in the book, you must offer then ideas, thoughts, or tools about how to start to understand your life and then steps to take. To move forward or create a better vision, um, what what is what is kind of the the core idea in the in the book that you explore?
2: Well, I I spent about three months with giant pieces of paper on our kitchen table, mapping out like a mind map of everything that I knew from my twenty five years of training and teaching and looking at over five thousand people you know their inner lives their their energy fields teaching over several tens of thousands of people um, meditation and energy healing tools and I said okay I have to just map it all out and what it came down to is okay if I structure it like I would a class that I'm teaching I would tell a story I would introduce a concept we then frame it up as to what the Challenges and then what a path of action might be, and then have an exercise they could then walk through to learn about themselves and, and change a perspective or behavior. So I set up the book that way in 10 chapters. And at the end of each chapter is an exercise that you can do. And when people first started reading the book and working with it, I would get lots of different comments, but there started to be a, a theme. I'd get an email or or run into to somebody. They'd say, I love your book. I read it in a day, and then it took me six months to finish the exercises. <laughs> because they said, I would start on one exercise and go, oh, my God. Oh, okay. I have to set this down for a minute and contemplate even the idea of doing this exercise on thinking about how... I am thinking about myself when I'm talking with someone that I'm in a relationship with, which is one of the first exercises. And it's very deep work. So I try and make it as fun as possible and as light and hopeful so that you go into the exercise guns blazingly. Yay, let's do this. (laughs) So
0: yeah because when it is deep work like that it can be challenging to stick with it right there's lots of resistance or emotion or things that can come up that we really have to in a way have a process to to even get to it I think have some set of tools or something
2: yes yeah and so the book gives you the perspective well it offers perspective and tools that you can work with so that you can take a look at the exercise and and really get a lot out of it.
3: Laura, why do you think so many people's lives are out of whack?
2: Part of it is my belief and part is observation. And that is it's not part of our culture in America generally to learn about ourselves early on. Mm. And to have it be okay to explore who we are. And to understand that everyone is unique and to be able to recognize when a difference in someone is their strength and how to cultivate that. So there is a a sore lack in our culture of self-reflection and appreciation of our differences and also what we have in common. I think that it creates fear in getting to know ourselves, and it creates fear in getting to know someone else so that we grow up divided against each other rather than growing up with a, a practice of appreciating differences because we know who we are. And you guys know this. If you don't know yourself, it's too scary to know anyone else.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's very good.
2: With any, with that's any why outside. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So Laura, in this work and in, and just in knowing you, you have a flair for amusement and for kind of wit and comedy. Do you think that plays a role in getting through some of these tough self reflections and and growing?
2: Well, you know the answer to that question. You just want me to give an answer, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is an interview, Laura. I'm interviewing. I know. I know. Interview.
0: i'm asking the questions here
3: (laughs) she just gave us the answer we're all laughing
2: (laughs) i mean i tend to look at things everything is a game even if it's a horrible game and i think the thing that makes the most difference is something that i learned really early on in meditation and that self-exploration and that is not only knowing that you're limitless and eternal, but experiencing it, being in presence with that limitless self that you are, and knowing that, experiencing that, being there, you see your life as something that you are the steward of rather than the victim to, and that you have have the compassion and command to explore and understand. And that's huge. I think that's really the turning point for a person is when they get in touch with that part of them that transcends their childhood, it transcends society, and they connect with the unifying force within each of us, then you have limitless strength and good humor and kindness. And... Powerfully strategic in how we make decisions and what might have been a habit you couldn't break, you know, for 15 years. When you shift into that place and are there, you're much more likely to just drop it like a hot potato and say, Oh, I'm done with that. Because you're not in the place of the habit, you're in the place of that limitless self that's potential and understanding.
0: Yeah, and from there you can create change. Change comes. I mean, change is always hard, but it can come a lot more easily, I think, from that place of realization. Yeah.
2: Yes, because you have context. One of the things I don't agree with in some of the old school psychological processes is where the client or the patient identifies their self-image is their life. If I disagree with anything, it's that. That what has happened in their lives is not them. They are separate, limitless self that's eternal. And they're in a physical life, but they are not their life. Right. And when a person gets trapped in thinking that who they are at their core is a culmination of their life experiences, it's a dark path. It's tough to make any kind of change.
0: Right. Yeah. You are not the sum total of your experiences. That's,
2: yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: That's not who you are.
2: Laura, what is
3: the chill center nonprofit? I was looking at your bio. And oh, you sent, it, uh, no, it's in my notes where you sent us some of the work you're doing. What is hmm. the chill center for
2: nonprofit? Cody may have recognized this, but when we were in training together, I really cared about the culture and the community of the organization. And it's important to me that we treat each other with truth and with kindness, especially in our world today, which I watched approach us. I'm not surprised by where we are right now. It's a blessing in disguise that we're here because it's all coming out. So chill is a product of really my entire life getting to a point of being able to bring together meditation practice, mindfulness practice, and expressing that outward into civic engagement, being out in the community volunteering, being part of movements, being a community organizer yourself, being an activist. Working and talking with your representatives, working with other people in the community to create social change, to go after social justice. However, I wish to see it done in a very particular way, and that is in a way that is emotionally sustainable for the individual. It's hard work (laughs) being a volunteer. It's hard work being out there changing the world and to have that inner strength and that perspective that if you push against what you don't want, you will get what you don't want. If you shift to that place of your limitless self where we're connected, where there's limitless possibility, where yes exists, then you can begin to create the world you wish. You bring forward through you the vibration The intention of how you want to see the world. And Chill Center provides training and play dates and workshops and gatherings along that whole arc from those who want to come in through the door of, I'd like to learn meditation, to community organizers who say, I'm tired of pushing the river. I want to be more effective and have more joy in this work that I'm doing, even though it's hard. So it's that entire arc and that's, that's chill. It's both the word chill is an affirmation. It's a command and it's a place. It's like, I'm just going to go chill. <laughs> Let's chill. <laughs> just <is> chill. Very <laughs> California. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How are you doing? I am chill. <laughs>
0: But I like that perspective of if you push against what you don't want, that's what you get. But if you push for what you want, then, of course, you're reshaping the world in in that vision. And that's very cool. Now, given our history, knowing, you know, we went through a similar training, the idea of activism or or being a spiritual activist wasn't necessarily as a part of that core idea. It was a little bit more... Focused on the self and discovering the yeah. self coming out of the 70s, 60s and 70s, of course. Do you kind of see yourself as a as a spiritual activist? Sounds like you're really kind of bringing that out in what you do.
2: Yes. And I would say, let's see, 2010, I brought out that phrase, spiritual activism, for myself. It existed elsewhere. That word activism was still too charged. And I didn't, at that time have the bravery to own that word in a society where it wasn't accepted enough. And uh, other people were braver than I to do that. It took me a couple years to say, okay, this is who I am. It's who I've always been. And I've been gathering the tools and the strength to do this. And I can own it. I was watching and waiting and actively creating the space for activism to be a positive word around creating justice and equity for people to create a, a community that starts to fill in the cracks and that being a an activist is someone who heart, mind, and soul wish to create a better world. And, and they're going and they're focusing on a particular issue or constituency, because that's their passion, that's their expertise, that's their experience, and so they're going for it. And I was a volunteer by the time I was four years old, and I've been an active volunteer since then. In every organization I'm in, I always push for equity, that everyone have a voice, that cruelty and, you know, control not be part of the organization. It's gotten me into trouble sometimes, but I've learned how to do it in a way where it's a win-win outcome. And I want to share that and have a great statewide and growing national network of colleagues who are doing the same thing. And when Chill launches, and maybe a little bit before then, if we can get some events going, then we'll have some fun things happening.
3: And you're a part of a lot of organizations, Laura. I mean, I, me and Cody were reading your bio before we started, and I was like, how does one human being have the time? <laughs> so if I, I if I could just read this one line from your bio, you're a founding <laughs> faculty member of the University of Quantum Health Alliance, an international collaboration between scientists, physicians, consciousness experts, and healers to integrate the world's universities and healthcare systems into a new biomedical model that includes transdisciplinary non-invasive therapies and self-healing potential of the individual's power of consciousness. And that's just one out of many many lines of your bio. bio. (laughs) (laughs) And so like the the level of cross-disciplinary action that you're a part of uh, is just amazing. And (laughs) And the amount of groups and trainings you have, I guess one of my core questions for you is how... How do you do it? How do you have the time? Are you a good time manager? What is your skill in being able to do so much? How do you, how did you do that? Cause me and Cody, we like, it takes us a week to edit one podcast and we argue about like, no, it's be 55 minutes, not 57 minutes. And uh, you're like, you're saving the world. So we just, we'd love to know.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, with each organization, I have a lot of help, and I go between projects. I will say that I think that was 2012. I went down to Brazil to talk at a quantum healing and health conference, which was a great experience. It was a it was a conference about 12 1500 people in this I think one or two day conference. I was only one of three women among all the speakers. I was the only non-doctor. I was the only person who was not a physicist or a physician on the program. And I'm grateful that they decided (laughs) to have me there. And everyone spoke Portuguese. So I did my hour talk in English because that's the language I know. And everyone in the audience, all 12, 1500 of them had headsets on and a translator was off stage translating in real time, my talk. So that was fun to do.
0: Interesting. So you got a delayed reaction with your. You had to wait until just they.
3: Just a minute, just
2: yeah. not even a minute, just a few, just a right. few seconds, but yeah. it worked. Oh, that's interesting.
3: <laughs> it wasn't in quantum time, really. It
2: was. <laughs> right. yeah, but to directly time. answer your question uh, about that particular organization. I am a founding member. We're scattered all over the world. I was nominated against my will slightly, to organize everybody so that we could have a shared online platform that we would put our trainings up and kind of get it get it moving so it could be a, a platform for people to jump on and and learn. and and it just after a few months, i I told Wallace, Lima, who was the organizer of the conference, I said, Look, I love you guys, but let me just tell you I know you put me in charge of organizing everyone because you knew that I was probably the one person that could do it among all of you brainiacs, but I actually can't (laughs) do it. Like, I can't actually do it. You know, I'm in communication with each of you, but you guys aren't really in communication with each other. And there isn't a way to make decisions. So unless you're going to pay me a million dollars to dedicate my time to this, <laughs> you have to work out a different model. So I'm still a founding member, and I'm in communication with them. And actually, one of the physicists, uh, Richard Amaruso, is the physicist who endorses my life mechanics method from the perspective of quantum physics and consciousness theory. And he's a very dear, dear person.
3: Uh, Can you Explain a little bit about what what the what that is.
2: What life mechanics is?
3: Yeah, and the, well, the consciousness theory, consciousness oh, yeah. quantum mechanics that
2: well,
3: that convergence you know, is that what the organization focuses on.
2: The organization that we're, we've been talking about what they focus on. Yeah, they it is that, but it's mostly taking energy. Based therapies and integrating them into allopathic or traditional medicine protocols. So, bringing energy healers into hospitals. And there's some great work being done by Body Talk, uh, John Beltheim, down in, in South America, with excellent results in working with the energetics of the body. To accelerate healing and to resolve disease. So, there are some great work that's being done by many of the physicians and physicists, but they're all gathering around the idea that we're energy Mm -hmm. and illness is based in energy issues. And if we can bring the two together, because consciousness is energy and consciousness, which is our it's the universal flow coming through a physical body that has a sentient brain and that is a game changer because then you you can move anywhere in the time space continuum you can change energy flow you command the universe through the physical body and that organization is focused in through everyone's individual work to promote that idea through the success of better health outcomes.
0: Yeah, that that's great. So that idea that everything is energy, they really are exploring that in in re- very real ways in the physical world.
2: Yes, and you know, I've been reading physics books since I was in high school and watching and tracking the research of quantum physicists in their approach kind of getting closer and closer to proving consciousness. And now it's a debate. I don't know if we want to go into it here, but it's a debate about does consciousness start in the mind or does it start outside the mind? You know, what? Mm-hmm. where is it? And I've been watching that get closer and closer. And, you know, the conversation about when religion and science meet. Well, they, right. they meet at quantum physics is where they meet.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, that kind of brings us to maybe the bigger idea of of why you're doing all these things, which is, uh, I don't know if it's why so much as um, something that I think you're aware of. Of course, I've been aware of. It. We've been, and David's aware of, we've been in the field of energy awareness, consciousness mm-hmm. exploration, and awakening. But the, yeah. the, there's a big change in consciousness happening in the world at a societal level. There is this Kind of awakening of consciousness might be one way to say it or an awakening to this awareness of oneself as energy oneself beyond just the story of my life you know of, of being the sum total of my experiences what's your perspective on that bigger picture of the changes that you see happening in consciousness and society where that's taking us what we as individuals can do to to connect more with ourselves and interact with that?
2: Well, there are are two concepts or truths that I think are helpful in looking at what is our world doing? (laughs) And are we headed to a good place or what? (laughs) Right. And one is if you take an apple and you look at it, it has the stem at the top, it has the little furry stuff at the bottom the the, the core of that seed and then it kind of looks like a, a heart shape but it kind of curves in at the top and it curves in at the bottom and it's basically round and if you cut it open you'll see that there are layers and layers and layers all the way to the center and that shape is the fundamental energetic structure that the entire universe is based upon It's the double toroid vortex. Our Earth, with its atmosphere, is that same shape. Each of our cells is that same shape. Everything in the universe is based on that. That means our consciousness is based on that, which means the global consciousness is based on that. And how a double toroid vortex moves is like a pot of boiling water it bubbles on the outside and then it kind of moves to the center and then. And then moves out to the top and goes out to the sides again. It's convection. It's that circular motion moving into the center and then going back out. So we are, as a global consciousness, always moving to the center, converging on a single point, and then having been transformed, move back out to the edges for a new revolution, a new evolution. So we are moving we are getting closer and closer to the center meaning we are moving toward the truth of of who we are or at least a new version of the truth of who we are and as we do that we're activating all the stuff that isn't true we're activating the division we're activating the violence we're activating the control and we all have noticed there has been an increasingly steady movement toward tolerance, acceptance, kindness, collaboration. And those are your signals is when you notice that there is a a consistent growing trend. That is the movement going toward the center of all of us kind of having that hundredth monkey aha, where we can then take that. New understanding of who we are as a collective on the earth, and then start a new layer of understanding.
3: Can you explain that? What you mean? Some people might not know that term of uh, the hundredth monkey Uh aha.
2: Yes, trying to think of a good a good example. Well, with with trends, you'll have a few people that wear ripped jeans, and you kind of think they're you know slobs, and then you see a few more people with ripped jeans. And then you see them on the the New York runway where they're really chic and they're like perfectly ripped and they're super tight and they're hot. And then a few more people wear them. And then suddenly your grandma's wearing them because it's now become ubiquitous. It's like, this is the new normal. So there's a certain point when enough of us do something that it creates a critical mass vibration within the consciousness. And then it's in everybody's consciousness
0: as okay. Right. I think Malcolm Gladwell captured that as the tipping point. I mean, that's a great description of the tipping point. And in this shift in consciousness and shift in awareness, when we get to that tipping point of people recognizing the truth of who they are, which is kind of rooted in this idea uh, that everything is energy, there's a shift coming. Yes. Or we're in the midst of it, I think.
3: Once we, our grandmothers start wearing ripped jeans, we'll know we are definitely in the midst of a shift. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> well, i would I would say that we are either right at the tipping point of having resident in in our consciousness that we are supposed to work together and not kill each other, which is why the opposition is so fierce right now. Mm-hmm. We are close, and the question, and this is really an open question for me personally, and I'm okay, generally, with either outcome. The question is whether we will survive, whether we'll survive it. Mm -hmm. I don't know that, but I, I have to be okay with it. Because even if we don't physically, as a species, survive this particular (laughs) coming to the center point if we all kind of blow each other up before then life will continue somehow it just might not be with humans i don't know yeah Uh, but i i do know that when we started in the early 70s no wait 90s 80s late 80s with this right cody Mm -hmm. especially helpful was the movement of the focus of Buddhism to become worldwide with the exile of the Dalai Lama, that was his intention, was to bring Buddhism to the world. That has helped hugely in accelerating the shift or the, the movement toward the center. So there, the more people that can meditate and find that flow, that center point within them, the greater chance we have of actually surviving as a species.
0: Yeah, that shift in consciousness is evolutionary. Definitely. You know, it, may, it makes me think of a book I read called The Evolutionaries. And one of the, the ideas or the thesis as a part in that book is this idea that as a species, our competitive advantage isn't competition. You know, our, our idea in the world is like we always see the other person as something to compete with or the other group, and there's all this competition. But our actual competitive advantage was cooperation that we're the only group that can cooperate in such a way and communicate in such a way that through that group cooperation, we make life better. And now we're trying to do it on a global level. You know, first we did it as tribes, then as cities, states, yes. you know, larger and larger groups. And our challenge now is to do it on a global level or destroy the, the whole thing, right?
2: That's exactly it.
0: It's a complicated process too. Absolutely.
3: You know, I heard uh, Eckhart Tolle being interviewed about this topic once and the interviewer was asking him, you know, do you think this massive shift in consciousness on the planet is going to happen and everyone's just going to kind of like wake up out of all this negativity and violence and struggle and he said, you know, I always hang out around spiritual people because I teach spirituality. So it seems like it. But that might just be the bubble I'm in. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, that, you know, that might be true, because I've lived in a lot of places around the world where I, and I I said this recently on a radio show I was on where I didn't see it happening in a lot of pockets. And it's like when you travel around the world, it's almost like time travel. Like I've been to places in India where it feels like a few thousand years ago and like places in Asia, where it feels like 50 years in the future. I'm in California right now. I've noticed it happening very much here and somewhat on the East coast where I was just spending a lot of time, but I'm not convinced that it's happening everywhere. <laughs> like I I wonder, I, I
0: really do wonder sometimes like, you don't think New Jersey's the Mecca for a spiritual awakening?
3: No, but <laughs> New Jersey's not the Mecca, but it's happening there. But I would say, Laura, that like you were mentioning the hundredth monkey. Yeah, maybe a few spots, right? And like do it first. And so like with technology too, like with a Tesla or something. First, it's just kind of novel. And then, you know, the right person starts to use it or wear it or be it. And then it spreads in that way, like the ripped jeans.
2: Yeah, to your point. David if i had a choice between talking with and being with a spiritual person or a kind person i would pick the kind person every time.
0: Yeah. Oh absolutely.
2: And that's something that that I'm very interested in shifting and being part of that of that shift is that what we're talking about doesn't require people to you know cultivate a spiritual practice or awareness. However, everybody deep down desires acceptance and love, no matter what. If you peel back all the layers of pain, that's what they hope for. And everything they do is because they want that. And if we can just in our own lives, think about how we treat each other and how we treat ourselves, that's all we need. That's truly all we need to make it happen because the transformation comes from there. Because once you decide to choose kindness, you will, over time, and sometimes that doesn't take very long, you will, because the resonance of kindness is an outward expression of that limitless self, you will find yourself there. And then you will have your awakening in your own way, in your own time. And, mm-hmm. and that's why with chill, it's the whole arc of meditation and activism all based on love and kindness. Whatever mm-hmm. you're doing in the world, learn how do you talk with someone that you're in opposition with on a ground an idea from a place of love so that you are working, as you said, Cody, in cooperation and
0: that's it. Yeah, and I think that level of kindness, you know, the other word that comes to mind is compassion, and that learning how to have compassion for ourselves is really a big step, and I'm like you, Laura. I would definitely gravitate more towards someone that can resonate in compassion or kindness than just be spiritual, because that can mean a lot of different things. So that's great. So how is it that you're bringing these works to the world today? I know you have a Divine Spark Center. It sounds like that's probably some of what's at the core of that space as well.
2: Mm -hmm. As we evolve CHILL, Divine Spark will fit up under the umbrella of CHILL as one of the sets of programs. And the other organization I co-founded with a good friend and peace activist, uh, Joan Marie, is Compassionate Capital Region, and that is part of the international organization called Charter for Compassion, and that's all about creating caring communities, so there's a lot of synergy between chill and Compassionate Capital Region, and so Mm -hmm. those are the the two main avenues, and then doing it on a very personal but global scale is the tech startup that I'm a co-founder in, Sophia. And we're developing an app that allows someone to discover more about themselves and to improve how they build relationships. And my part of it is the consciousness mechanics piece in that core design to give the person a way to very simply see their unconscious bias, their you know aggressive behavior. Maybe we're different aspects of them that maybe they didn't realize that were very powerful for them to know and who are they as a a person and what is their their core self and being able to see the the difference between the two so it's really exciting and we have a lot of good interest and we're right in the in the middle of building the prototype so
3: and it's an ai this Sophia
0: application that you
3: create yes
2: yes and that's so, all I can say about that.
0: How long do you think it will um, take <laughs> to to come out?
2: We, well, you never know. Right. Um, but we are working on having something rolling that we can start testing in a limited way in a, maybe two or three months. Oh,
0: cool. Yeah, because yeah, I'm just asking because I don't want to hook up with Alexa and then have to break up and, you know, then... Oh! don't want to have to break up with Alexa (laughs) or Sophia. Okay,
2: all right. So here's the difference between Alexa and Sophia. Yeah, keep Alexa. Keep Alexa because she knows what you want to buy and she knows how to fetch.
0: She's a marketing tool, yes.
2: Totally, totally beautiful person. And Sophia is your relationship guide. She's the one that helps you See your blind spots, and remind you of how great you are and your potential, and gives you ways to, in a way that works for you, to be more yourself and less who you don't want to be.
3: That's and what to, I have Cody for.
2: <laughs> that's right. It well, not everyone
3: has a Cody. Has, has somebody that'll call friends. you out Someone on has your a show. Cody. Yeah.
2: and and sometimes you know cody's busy and may not be able to tell you what you know come on cody where are
1: you
3: (laughs) so can i ask you just a follow up with this ai stuff because i'm fascinated and totally ignorant at the same time do you think that ai is possible in the sense that a machine can become conscious
2: i'll answer it This way, this is my hot take. (laughs) This is my hot take. No. However, I'll qualify that because the AI is going to behave based on pattern and it will continue to evolve in its ability to assess and move through and modify patterns and decision trees, and it will build its consciousness, its decision-making capacity and perspective based on the body of decisions and input that it has, which for on the face of it sounds a lot like consciousness or sentience. What I'm interested to see, and this I hope I live long enough to see, is because everything is energy and everything is God, God in that very most broad sense, if AI within a a whatever network it's residing in, that the flow of God moves through it and moves through the decision trees and starts to modify the structure so that it is no longer... It becomes organic and it, it changes the, the energy that's moving through the algorithms. And it becomes a place where the universe and the intelligence of the universe can reside just as it does within the human form and moves through the mind. If that happens, then we've created a virtual body for God. And
0: that's a good thing. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you think that the brain is a mechanism that can allow consciousness—the consciousness of energy and God—to come through and into the world, Mm -hmm. then why couldn't at some point something else be created? That my thought on AI is a little different. Not it's not such a clear question like David asked it of. Do you think it will become? I don't. Had you put it phrase it david like you think it'll become conscious or yeah yeah will ai one day create consciousness and i think that and i kind of mentioned this in another podcast that we did the other day that that one of the changes in consciousness that we're all facing in changes this changes in self-identity is that we really need a new statement for understanding existence and that the old statement being, you know, I think therefore I am. And in the field of energy awareness, you realize that, no, I'm beyond thought, right? I, my true self is beyond thought. And so that is a lie to that. I think what AI is going to do and is starting to do is it will really cause us to question what is consciousness? What is it to be human? It'll force that question of, redefining what it is to be human as AI can do what we can do as it starts to almost replace aspects of what we identified as truly only human. And so it will push our evolution, I think, in our own consciousness, in our own awakening of what it is to truly be the expression of a divine spirit in a body, you know, a a human being on earth.
2: Well, and we can only do one thing, and that is express who we are in everything we do. Mm-hmm. So anything we build is based upon who we are.
0: Absolutely, We are
2: always building who we are. So I agree with you that what we are building is our global consciousness. Mm-hmm. And some social scientists will say that before the internet, there wasn't a global consciousness because there wasn't any way to store information and there's no way to connect in. Mm-hmm. And I I agree on that concrete material level. However, there's always been a global consciousness, but there hasn't been a way to connect into it and learn about what others are thinking and basically have a, a physical manifestation of that global consciousness. And, and that's yeah. what I think the Internet is. It's a manifestation of global consciousness.
0: Absolutely. And wasn't it, was it Jung that identified the no-sphere, the, the sphere of global consciousness that exists? kind of in the energy or astral levels
2: young i certainly know that the Nobel laureate and i'm not remembering his name who presented the theory of gaia that the earth is an entity yeah that it was embedded in there somewhere but i'll take your word for it on
0: i i'm not sure who came up with that that word and that theory but yes the the idea of global consciousness has been well david you're the philosopher in the group
3: So I I looked up who created the Gaia hypothesis, Laura, and it was uh, a chemist by the name of James Lovelock in the 70s.
2: Yes. Uh, I
3: want to read it because it's so good. Uh, Gaia theory or the Gaia principle proposes that organisms interact with their inorganic surroundings on earth to form a synergistic self-regulating complex system that helps to maintain and perpetuate the conditions for life on the planet. Wow. Yes. Amen to that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: very cool.
2: And that inner, that interconnectivity, that interdependence is is part of the, the, the platform that environmentalists stand upon when they talk about the importance of maintaining ecosystems. Because when when one goes, it compromises everything.
0: Right. It has to. Well, it has to change, adapt, to find a new balance, and yeah, it. Uh, and sh- who knows how, in what way, it will change?
2: Yeah. Sometimes it's <laughs> creepy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and
2: I also, th- yeah, I also
3: think that. Um, you know, well, there's this great. I, I always quote Alan Watts, the meditation teacher, philosopher. And he would say that uh, we grow out of this planet the way an apple grows off of an apple tree. So when when human beings came to Earth, what he says is the Earth peopled. (laughs) And if you get a chance, there is this amazing video on YouTube. If you just type in Alan Watts and South Park, the creators of the uh, TV show South Park do this great animation of Alan Watts talking about this. And you can see the Earth peopling. (laughs) <laughs> it's so oh, cool. That's cool. To see it. Yeah, one of my favorite videos. I'll have to share it on, on Facebook uh, so everyone can see it.
0: Yeah, we can put and it in our show notes so people can put find in the it in show notes. Too. Yeah,
3: and and uh, it's just this amazing concept, and I feel that it's so true that we are we are the earth, right? We're just an expression of the earth. We're the consciousness of the earth, and when yes. we forget that, and we put cement underneath us and buildings all around us and lights at night and so we can't see the stars or feel the earth it's so easy to become disconnected and it happens so quickly uh, and then all of a sudden the only thing that matters is like what's horizontal you know the all the relationships we're in and the money we don't have and, and the stress levels start to rise and i think unless we find a way to change that dynamic Um, no matter what we change in our minds as activists, if we don't change that lifestyle, it's going to be hard to really start to save the planet. Cause if you don't feel the earth, you don't care about it, right? You might mentally care as a concept, but you don't really care if you don't feel it and aren't with it. So I don't know what that solution is, but I I definitely could see the problem.
2: When, um, a few years ago, I, um, led with a good friend of mine, Lynn, Lynn Webb, a a um, spiritual pilgrimage um, down to uh, Ecuador. And we worked with three, three or four of the shamans down there. It was really remarkable. And we went to uh, this one sacred lake where only the shamans can go. And we got on a boat with them and uh, motored over to a sacred site. And its I had never seen a pristine lake a very large lake, pristine with nobody on it, there were no buildings, there were no people, there were no boats. It was a sacred lake. It was amazing, so we we motor over to this site. It was a beach, and I had the opportunity to talk with one of the shamans and and I asked him about you know what is his why do you think there is the world is the way it is, and he said, "I'm paraphrasing." He said, "As soon as you, as soon as a person takes their feet off the earth, illness begins. As as soon as we take our attention and forget that we're part of nature, illness begins, of all kinds. And it was a, it was absolutely, and he's." Part of a tradition of of, of thousands of years, um, and that was his truth, and it's and it's the truth in my view.
0: Mm-hmm. The ills of the earth, it, yeah, begin not and and, and in and the body, yeah. yeah. Wow. Then violence
2: right. begins, and you disconnect, you get out of sync, you forget about the cycles, you forget about what life is, and and stewarding the earth and uh, everything.
3: So, yeah, yeah, you know, and i'm I'm totally saying this out of ignorance, but the a lot of diseases, I believe, came from Europe after it started getting more built up and you know, and in the dark ages, people were living in castles, and they started taking animals and cloistering them closer and closer together, which created diseases. And you know when they came over to uh, North America the Native Americans really didn't have any diseases and started wiping them out. So it's interesting, a culture that started to build up its society and its structures came with all these diseases to a culture that was living with the earth. Uh, And in a very simplistic way, you know, I I really don't understand or know any of the science or anthropology or any of the behind it. But just looking at it in a simple way, it's, it's fascinating to me how that played out. And, and now coming back to, well, how do we heal it? And we start using some of the old kind of spiritual techniques and aware, you know, awareness of the planet, the Gaia principle that, I mean, to, to tell a Native American the Gaia principle would be like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you had to come up with that in a book and then write a paper. Right. <laughs> Here's <Right>. a leaf.
2: <laughs> right. Well, it could be that as we get closer to the center um, that when we come back out, we will have this new cleaner marriage of technology and ancient wisdom uh, that where we can use our technology to recreate the more natural living systems. I, I think that's possible. And, and, and integrate I have, them. Yes.
0: yes. I, I think one of the, the, overarching kind of steps we're in it is a step of, of integration or reintegration. But even the description of getting separate from the earth is one of disintegrating, right? It's, we, we were integrated at one point and we got separated and now we're yeah. all looking for a way back to be reintegrated uh, both within ourselves as humans. And I think within our environment around us, we might call it things like sustainability um, you know, in, in stewarding, but it's, it's, are we integrated? Are we whole or, or are we not? And I think we're moving back towards wholeness as we come back to that center. I love the, that image of an apple because that, as an energy worker and aura reader, that's what the aura looks like around someone, the energy field.
2: Yes, and what <laughs> is at the center of the apple?
0: Yes, yes. The
2: core, the core and the seeds. Yeah. And what's in the seed? But life. eternal
3: life. Yeah. I was going to say the apple. Great metaphor. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's great.
2: Everything is everything. The physical body is the seed from which the universe expresses.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And within the body is that seed of, it's the, the source of ourselves. It's the, the seed of all creation. Yeah.
0: yeah. Beautiful.
3: I and love I, it. I, and I think meditation is the organic food of psychology. <laughs> <laughs> i'm going organic in every way no more medicine i'm gonna meditate instead
2: well i i would recommend possibly you know more of a as-needed balance between those things yes, absolutely
3: that was not a prescription no. for everyone listening yeah that's just david doing what he does
0: <laughs> same, same shit <laughs> no thought <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for
3: everyone t- for listening to Energy Matters and <laughs>
0: no that is great I think that's a good good place to um, wrap up we covered a lot of ground and this was really fun Laura thanks for coming out and sharing some time with us and sharing your thoughts and what you're creating we'll be interested to uh, hear as things emerge and when Sophia comes out we will want to have you back on so we can meet her
2: <laughs> Oh, absolutely and you know, uh, and we just—I'm we, sure we could talk for a, a few hours, but I appreciate the time to talk with both of you, and happy to keep you posted. Of course, I will. And,
3: and I uh, just—and yeah. I just want to mention, uh, Laura, that in the pre-show while we were talking and we were joking, I made a joke that I was Cody's AI, and you said, "Yeah, you're you're his authentic intelligence." Right. Yes, <laughs> so yes. So I just want everyone to know that.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: and laura how can anyone listening to this um because we have an audience in the tens of millions i just made that up oh that's uh, fantastic how can, <laughs> how can anyone listening to this find you uh websites books what's the best way to reach you learn from you hang out with you chill with you at this chill center <laughs> for nonprofit? profit
2: well visit sacramento anytime and look me up uh <laughs> There are a few websites, but I will give you one that's related to what we've been, you know, just the energy and meditation. And that's divinesparkrenewal.com. So D-I-V-I-N-E-S-P-A-R-K renewal.com. You can also just Google me Laura Hansen Sacramento and I'll pop right up.
3: Cool. Where you can, Very good. You know. Eat, and and you uh, have two books. So you have Hand Me a Wrench, My Life is Out of Whack. And the second book, which we didn't get a chance to talk to talk about, is uh, Note to Self, A Collection of Insights and Affirmations. And they're both on Amazon,
1: correct?
2: They are. And they're both lovely books. They're both available on Kindle as well as paperback. Great. Well, great.
3: Thank you so much for being here, Laura. Well, it was really super
2: great. fun. Yeah. Thank you for doing this and for, and for what you do in the world. Really appreciate it you
3: helping with the the monkeys. And on that note, thanks everyone for listening to Energy Matters. We'll see you next time. We'll see you soon.
0: (laughs) Well, there you have it, Laura Hansen. Find out more about her at divinesparkrenewal.com. Check her out. And as always, we had a great time bringing this podcast to you. We look forward to our next one coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll see you there. And David, do your thing.
1: Oh, you mean beatbox? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, every episode of Energy Matters is brought to you by Cody's website, intuitivision.net, and mine, And if you get a chance, go to energymatterspodcast.com, sign up for our newsletter, and we are going to send out a meditation soon to all our newsletter people. Thank you guys all for listening we really, really appreciate it. We've been getting so much good feedback. Uh, we get messages almost every day now saying, listen listening to the podcast, really enjoying it. So it's, it's been cool to, to hear from you guys. And if you haven't ever reached out and you want a certain type of episode, a theme, a guest, anything, send us a message and, uh, and we'll respond because we have nothing else to do. So we'll email you right back. <laughs> <I hope laughs> really, really we will. And uh, we we really appreciate uh, everybody listening. So I hope you all meditate, enjoy yourselves, and we'll see you in the next episode.
0: You've been listening to the Energy Matters Podcast with Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by intuitivevision.net and groundedmind.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or soundcloud.com.